This podcast is sponsored by GCK Consulting, a next generation political consulting firm. From fundraising to polling to campaign strategy, GCK is helping get millennials elected all across the country. To learn more about GCK and their services, just go to gckconsults.com. Again, that's gckconsults.com. All right, now to the podcast. Welcome to the Millennial Politics Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Valerie. My pronouns are she, her, hers. And today I'm joined by Board of Education Commissioner Gabriela Lopez. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you for having me. Of course. So what exactly is a Board of Education Commissioner and why does the position matter to millennials? It's funny because a lot of people have been asking this for quite some time, even during the campaign. And what I've found recently is You know, our only responsibility is to go to the meetings. Um, And that's how I think they justify not paying, not having it be an unpaid position. So the Board of Education, though, has a lot of power. And in that, we we choose the curriculum that's used in schools. We manage the budget. We manage the superintendent. We, you know, um, deny or continue anyone's contract within the district. So there's a lot of um, inside work that we essentially vote on. And it's basically all of the pieces that make up a school district. So even down to the buildings and, and what's happening on sites, the programs that were used, our, our connections with different community organizations and our um, understandings with those groups, all of that goes under the board. Um, and we are, there's, seven-member board that's voting on it. And why exactly did you run for this position? So I actually have been working in education for over 10 years. This is my fourth year as a classroom teacher. And I remember a couple of years ago learning about the board of San Francisco and seeing the number of people who are on it that haven't been working in schools. And I've seen that throughout my career, just the people in leadership that don't have connections with the classroom, that haven't been teachers, um, don't really have that understanding, right? And um, it took me a lot of... Con- it took a lot of convincing, actually, for me to run, of course. I think at a young age, it was very typical for me not to want to be in these positions and not be encouraged to be in, in them, even though I hold a lot of the leadership skills, I have a lot of experience. Um, so once I started seeing the people who were running... There was not a single classroom teacher who was, you know, running a campaign. And there were about 30 people who had filed. In the end, there were 19 of us and I was still the only teacher working full time in a classroom. So it just it said a lot about people within education um, not being a part of these spaces. So I ran and I became more and more involved because we really need to have that voice. And it's sort of set up for us not to be in that because it's really tricky to run a campaign while working full time and and teaching alone is a lot of work. So I became more and more motivated seeing that this hasn't, it's not common for us. And I had a huge support team that was able to make it happen. And what was that experience like? Um, (laughs) So uh, at the beginning, it was a lot of 
you know, meeting different democratic clubs, talking to different community organizations and having them understand your message, understand your platform and, and really be behind you. Um, so at the very beginning, it was a lot of interviewing, talking with people, getting to know people, not, you know, nobody knew who I was. I'm from LA. I moved to San Francisco about three years ago. So it, I'm mostly known in the educational world, but the voters of San Francisco hasn't, you know, they haven't really had a chance to get to know me. So it was a lot of that in the, I would say the first six months. And then there's work before going into these interviews when you have all the questionnaires. And and this is an opportunity for the voters to see your ideas, how, how your platform can connect to what their interests are and what their needs are. So there's a lot of that, a lot of paperwork. The work that was most fun for me and my team didn't happen until toward the end of the campaign around September, where we were basically out every single day talking to people. It was in that where we organized our field work around the different districts in San Francisco. And before I would go to work around 6.45, 7 a.m. when people are starting to commute, we would be at different stations or bus stops. After school, we would be going door to door. And then on the weekend, um, we would hit different parts of the city and just go to people's doors and talk to them when we, you know, when we encountered different neighbors. And what we saw was that our campaign, though we raised the least amount of money, we were doing the most around amount of work around, you know, going to people and talking to people. We know that that's a strategy that works, campaigning, and that's how everyone really got to see our message, hear our message and, and meet us and meet me. And what exactly is that message? So just having the importance of having the experienced working class person in these spaces. And because a lot of there were a number of people that didn't believe we were going to win. The reasons behind that had to do with money. So the message was really, you know, the worker, the people who are out there who are doing it for us should be the ones that are representing us. And because more and more people started seeing that, the message really started to spread. We recorded a lot of this. We documented a lot of this. And that message this idea that the people doing the work should be a part of the conversations, they should be at the table. Um, it got, it got pretty big and it spread to people that we didn't even know. So towards the end, we had over a hundred volunteers. That was like a hundred people walking out with us, going door to door, standing on busy street corners, talking to voters, um, people we didn't even know contacting us because they wanted there's this wave now, right, of of people who we don't typically see in these political spaces to be the ones representing us. And what policies and ideas were you focused on? Through my experience as in going through public schools and being a second language learner, a lot of what I was focusing on, especially with, within the immigrant communities in San Francisco, was language access in their schools. And that has a lot to do with it goes down to how we communicate with families and what we're doing in our classrooms to support English language learners. So that, again, can can have a lot to do with the curriculum that we're using, what teachers are using, what strategies they're focusing on to support learners. 
and how we connect with families who don't speak the language. And we are a very diverse population. There are a number of languages spoken within the district um, that we don't give access to a lot of the time. So, so then it just shows who's able to participate in their child's education and who isn't. And that, that's really important to me because when I was working on my master's in education at UCLA, I did my research on family engagement and how that can or cannot affect, how that does affect a student's progress and success in their class. And if, if it comes down to a language barrier, that alone just sets apart a, a number, a group of people um, that, that can't participate. And I, now that I'm on the board, I'm seeing how that's connected to so many other things. What other things do you see that connected to? Um, so, uh, a parent's ability to participate in community groups that, that get together and, and sort of choose what the board's focus is going to be on. So, for example, we are working with the, you know, our local police department to see what our agreement is within the districts regarding officers in schools and, and our punishment and whatever that looks like, how we're defining that. And we're gathering parents to participate, but if they can't communicate, then already there's a group of people that won't be able to, to choose what they want the district to focus on. Then we can talk about the tests that we're giving in our school. That's another set of, of community groups, community organizations that can weigh in that will push forward to the board what they would like to see, what they know works, what they don't, what they know doesn't work, especially parents who see this with their child. And with those language barriers, there are again groups that can't participate. And, and then we talk about how we're getting this information out. Who are we reaching out to? Who is able to participate and who isn't? And a number of families, specifically monolingual families, normally have more than one job and, and have to maintain their family in a way that is is active outside of the classroom. So that also affects a lot of the decision making and who gets to speak and who doesn't. And you said that your voice, voices like yours aren't really represented on this board already. Do you see the other board members as an ally to your agenda? Absolutely. I I think right now the I I keep hearing this actually we are it, it seems to be one of the strongest boards that board that the district has seen in a long time and I think a lot of us are aligned in many many issues and we're so we're such a diverse group that we're really going to be able to focus on our key issues within our own communities and find out how we can work together to support all of them but I would say this is a board that is I've, that I've never seen be so diverse. So I, I worked a lot with the others, the other commissioners who won during the campaign. We aligned in a lot of issues, and and now I'm a lot closer to the ones who are already on the board. They've really supported us and helped us through this transition. So I definitely see us getting a lot of good work done. So you've talked a lot about equity and different demographics how are you how are you ensuring that you are paying attention to and keeping in touch with all these different communities who need your support so what i've been doing is meeting with a lot of groups and this is 
again, sort of how we define our role. Um, so aside from going to the meetings and, and being a voice and voting on issues, um, there's all this extra side work that isn't accounted for, right? That isn't sort of part of our responsibility, but it is something that I am ensuring I'm giving to people because I was chosen to, to represent us and, and help us make decisions. So I've met with a number of communities. Um, they either reach out or I've reached out to them. And it varies depending on the issues that they want to focus on. So it could be around housing. It could be around um, English language access. It could be around um, the the Arab community, San Francisco, and, and just issue, you know, all these issues that each group faces within our schools. So meeting with them has been important. And that is helpful because when we're making decisions and I need, um, I need the public to to acknowledge what's happening, to be available to speak, to push the board to support it, that's when I can then reach out to these groups that that I've already built a relationship with to come out and and help us. And then I'm also, I've done a lot of, through my work um, in in my research, I've also done home visits. So I've taken a lot of what it means to individually meet with people and I'm bringing that to the board now in the form of school visits. Um, so because I'm a teacher, I've got a lot of days taken up, right? I can't, I can't take time off to, to go and meet with everyone, but there are a number of days that my school district is not in session and SFUSD is, which allows me to have these site visits and meet with administrators and meet with teachers and students in their settings, which I think is also, um, a way to connect because because really we want to be heard we want to know that our issues are important my goal is to bring those together because i know that a lot of different communities have similar struggles and in talking with people even if it's just for an hour or so you just gain a lot about about what they need and and you know you they feel heard and they feel understood especially with someone who is been doing that work. I'm doing it now. So that, that's been a, a few ways that I've connected with people. I started, I, I'm just, oh, I'm excited about the school visits because yesterday I, I actually got to do a few because my school wasn't in session and they were. So it was just excited. To, I was excited to kick it off and get it all organized. Do you view state and city government as an ally to you? So we we do have connections with the state, but the state of California in particular is is really low as far as the you know the national average. We're 49th in the country as far as um, what we're giving the teachers, what we're giving to schools compared to what the state has in funding. We're the fifth largest economy in the world, and we have teachers who don't have homes. So I think with throughout the state, my work in L.A. helps me connect to the work that I do in San Francisco. There are a, a number of similarities. There are a number of things that I see in both settings because we don't have adequate support and adequate funding coming from the state. But the board, now that I'm learning, does have people and connections you know, at the Capitol that keeps us informed about things that are happening 
Our now governor, Gavin Newsom, is doing a lot of work to support schools. It's a, sort of a push that we're seeing. So our work could also be go beyond um, local and, and really push for how we can change some things in the state that will affect us locally. Um, but that's that's also very separate, and it would be a board member's own sort of job that they're taking on. And how exactly does this body interact with other bodies of government? We have different community um, committee groups that meet. So, you know, within our body, we have, we talk about curriculum, we talk about, you know, specific issues affecting our school district. But then we also have other groups that meet separately in the same format. So it's a committee meeting that we meet with periodically. Um, right now we have one set with the community college because a number of our students from graduating within our district head to the community college in San Francisco, which is free for residents um, and the only college in the country that's doing that. And then we also have connections with the, the supervisors, which is our like, you know, like the council members of a, of a local government. And same thing, just kind of like seeing what, how their votes might affect the work that we're doing and, and just trying to kind of stay on top of how we're all interacting with, with each other. And what do you say to young people who are interested in running for local office like you? I tell them to please reach out to me so I can walk them through this, this incredible amount of work. I think it's important to note that it is, it is a lot of work. It is mentally and physically demanding, but I also want to know and hope that this is a message that is, is known widely that it's set up that way for a reason. It's set up for it to be really, you know, truly hard for people to want to take on if they're working, especially young people who are a lot less settled than, than the people who typically run. Um, because you're trying to balance out another full-time job. And if you really campaign fully and participate fully, it takes up everything. It takes up a lot. You're sacrificing a lot. So I think really keeping in mind the reason why you're running, the reason why you want to participate, um, I would say focus on the goal that you're trying to achieve and how you and your influence can help, help make that happen. So for me, I, I think I was blessed to be able to work as a teacher because I got to see my students every day. And that was a reminder of why I needed to be in these spaces. Um, and it kept me going, even though it meant I had to work twice as hard um, because the ultimate, you know, that was my goal to, to be this voice, to be this representative, even though teaching already is so exhausting, so difficult. Um, I didn't want it to be a reason why, why there's not this voice represented. And another thing I'll add is because I've had this, because I won this, I had to leave my position within SFUSD as a teacher because it was a conflict of interest. So it's also asking people who are within the system, who know the system, that if they win, they'll have to leave their job, which is, again, it's another sacrifice. It's a risk. I, I wasn't really set up with work after I 
was sworn in. So for a while, I didn't have any, in, you know, like no income. And that is also something that's, that's really hard for young people. So I, I would say plan it and figure out your goal, but definitely reach out, reach out to the people who have gone through it and, and just get advice and hear about their story. And how can folks reach out to you and learn more about you? Uh, they, I'm, I'm available on all the social media platforms. Um, I would say I'd pro- I'm a better, I respond better to those than I would in like a text message or an email. But I'm available through email. My social media is Lopez, the number four in school. So Lopez for schools. I, I would encourage people to kind of like look through the history of that to get an, get an image of what that work looked like. Cause it's everything from the campaign and now having won and now the work that we're doing. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can reach out through email, messenger, there's a number of options. Uh, I also have a website, of course from the campaign. So it's my name, GabrielaLopez.org. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you so much again for coming onto the podcast today. And we hope to catch up with you in the future to hear about all the progress you've made. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, of course. And lastly, to our listeners, make sure to keep up to date with the Millennial Politics Podcast by subscribing on iTunes, following us on social media, and tuning into the Progressive Radio Network every Tuesday at 8pm Eastern to hear our newest episodes. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm. 